Today on the 1012 podcast, we've got a few random news and bits to talk about, including current 2024 class football recruiting rankings for the Big 12. You might be surprised at who is at the top. Why Arizona State fans continue to endear themselves to me, and we are doing our receiving core rankings for the Big 12 for the upcoming season. Joey Hickey, Joe Broback, receivers and tight ends. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12, plus Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. We are the flagship show of the 1012 Network. You can find every show in the network at 1012network.com. That's T E N, the number 12, the word network. We are, of course, partners with Sport Social, the biggest and best sports podcast network in the UK. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us today. Midweek episode. We're back to two episodes a week. It's time. It was time. I'm excited. There's so much to do. There's so much to talk about. Today, I am thrilled because we are continuing our position group ranking pod. The goal is always like four of these every year. This is the second one. If you haven't listened to the offensive line ranking, you should. It was fantastic. Today, we're doing receiving core. That is receivers and tight ends. The goal is still to do four. We'll see if we get one more done. <laughs> I've like over, I have interviews booked up for the next two weeks. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully this will happen. I'm a thrill for next week. I got to tell you all about next week. Next week is a huge week for us. We have so many things we are going to announce here on the show for the network all week long. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at 1012network, T-E-N, the number 12, the word network. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at 1012pod. We've got a lot to announce. If you're a fan of a school who we don't have a podcast for, be paying attention. We've got some things that I'm excited about. We got a great episode. I don't feel like going over an hour in this episode today, so we're just going to hit on a few notes and things. Um, Look, I'm going to take a break from talking a lot of realignment. Latest news is of Wednesday night at 924. Doesn't sound like the ACC is going to be adding SMU who wanted to come and play for free or Cal or Stanford because that never has made any sense whatsoever. Oregon State, Washington State, I'm I'm still sorry. Uh, Speaking of Arizona State, obviously, if you do not know by now, Uh, Arizona State AD Ray Anderson had made some comments about that he would never want to go to West Virginia, would not be wanting to go from West Virginia. Now, mind you, he has since apologized. Uh, He went on Arizona Sports and apologized for his comments on Morgantown that he looks forward to visiting West Virginia at some point once they join the Big 12. We appreciate the apology, but Ray Anderson, you're one of the worst athletic directors in college football. We know where you stand on this. Thanks. Appreciate it. I do want to shout out because, again, I keep making this point. Arizona State is not going to be the villain of the new Big 12 just because of the school president and the athletic director. Because the fan base, as you probably heard Ralph Amsden say when he was on the podcast on Monday, if you haven't listened to it, go and listen to it. Fantastic interview, kind of getting you to know the four incoming schools. Best way to, to endear yourself to the majority of the Arizona State fan base is say something bad about Crow 
or Anderson. Uh, I want to shout out Nick Lowe, if I'm pronouncing that right. It's at Nick Lowe, L-O-U-G-H on Twitter. Uh, he tweeted out, Dear Gordon Gee, West Virginia Alumni Association and West Virginia students, both at Mike underscore OC, and I would like to apologize for comments Arizona State leaders made about your school a few days ago. Please accept this donation to your campus food bank. We are grateful you supported our Big 12 move. Hashtag go devils. Uh, there was a release that came out about two Arizona State University alumni who made large Apple donation to feed West Virginia University students. This is awesome. $700 donation in applesauce, apple cider, app vinegar, and 60 other food products from two Arizona State alumni to help feed West Virginia University students. That's Nick Lowe and Michael O'Connor. That is awesome. Absolutely awesome. Love it so much. And I just, like Arizona State fans, you're on my good side. You're, you were immediately on my good side. Tweeted at us, said thank you, both Mike and I wanted to let the conference know who they really allowed into the conference. Looking forward to attending some fun away games. Arizona State fans, you are continuing to endear yourselves to me. I cannot wait to have you in the conference. I will not hold Michael Crow or Ray Anderson against you in any way, shape, or form. Arizona, can't wait for Arizona to be in the conference as well. The only school in the Big 12 with a dinosaur outside of a McDonald's. That, that was true for the Pac-12, unless someone wants to present me with a dinosaur statue outside of a McDonald's in another Big 12 city. Cannot wait for that. <laughs> the discussions, debates, and arguments going on on Twitter right now. A gnome, the world's largest gnome statue is in Iowa State, <laughs> like right by campus. The discussions, debates, and conversations between the four corner schools, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, and the Big 12, 12 they are joining, are just fantastic. Like, I, I'm not sure I've had this much fun in Big 12 Twitter, and it's, it's been a very fun place to be on Big 12 Twitter. So if you're not on Twitter, I know it's X, whatever it is now. Like it's, it's, I hate to sit here and tell you to get on Twitter because Elon is Elon. But Big 12 Twitter is pretty fun right now. It is pretty fun right now. Uh, shout out to Sam Herder of Hero Sports. He covers the FCS for Hero Sports. We had him on the show not long ago to do our Big 12 versus FCS preview. Every time we do a Big 12 versus FCS preview, we bring him on. Sam predicted who would be winning the conference titles in 2023 in the FCS. I want to note two of them are on Big 12 schedules this year. Cincinnati will play Eastern Kentucky. He's projected them to win the UAC. And Southeast Missouri is on Kansas State's schedule because Kansas State always seems to find a way to schedule the best FCS game or best FCS opponent of every Big 12 team. Uh, they're projecting them to win the Big South OVC Conference. So a couple FCS games that should be worth paying attention to in the Big 12. If you have a listen interview, uh, you can find the episode or it's available on YouTube. You can go to our YouTube channel. We post interviews from the show in video form there. We post whole episodes there. I try and make sure there's some exclusive stuff there as well. I'll get something exclusive there again soon. Tend to a podcast on YouTube. Uh, last note I want to talk about. 247 has already updated. If you go look at the class rankings and hit Big 12 for 2024, it's updated with the 2024 conference. Man, this is fun. Now, remember in recruiting, important note, 
Average rating over ranking. Average rating over ranking. Average rating is the average rating of the players on your roster. If you take all the ratings for each player and average them out, what does it come up to? Average rating over ranking, because ranking also takes into consideration how many people are in your class. And because classes vary in size drastically, some might have a class of just 15 or 16 high school players because they're going to go heavy in the portal or they just don't need as many. Some are going to go with a larger class in the 20s. As of right now, UCF has the highest ranking in 2024 for the Big 12, followed by Arizona, Texas Tech, Cincinnati, West Virginia, Kansas, Arizona State, TCU at 8. If you go by rating, it's a very different situation. Colorado has the highest rating with an 89.49 grade, followed by TCU, then UCF, Texas Tech, Utah, Kansas State, Houston, Arizona State. Now, these are all drastically different draft class sizes, but it's why I always look at rating, especially early on, rating over ranking. As we get to the end, I think it becomes a little more negligible and they usually get to be pretty close. Rating over ranking. The point is, is the Big 12 suddenly got a bunch of top 25 classes nationally? No. No. Arizona State's got the only five star in the Big 12 in 2024 class. UCF has nine four stars. Nine four stars. I am very curious how recruiting will look for the Big 12 teams and the new Big 12 moving forward. Very, very curious. Definitely something to keep an eye on. Something else to keep an eye on is last stand hats. The place I go to for a new hat. If you're a Texas, Texas Tech, TCU, or Oklahoma State fan, they've got something for you. They've got a bunch of other schools from the state of Texas as well, and some really nice apparel. But if you want to outfit your head with a hat for football season this year, go to laststandhats.com. Use the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, and get 10% off your order at laststandhats.com. Love them being a sponsor here on the show. They've got some great stuff, some unique things, some vintage things. Go check them out. I like them. I think you will like them as well. All right, that feels like a good spot. I think we should get to our receiving group rankings. Wide receivers, tight ends, two great guests on this one, Joe Broback, Joey Hickey. Let's get to it. We continue our position group ranking pods ahead of the season. This is... Our second. Hopefully we get to four. Fingers crossed. We'll see. The season's getting here faster than I thought it was. We're in August. I just I don't I don't know what to do here. Uh, today we are we are gonna rank the receiving cores in the Big 12. That is both wide receivers and tight ends, because yes, on some teams, tight ends do catch footballs. Uh some more than others. So joining me today to break these down one through fourteen, and then maybe we'll tear them off at the end if we have time. Uh, he is returning. He's been here every single year. He has done a different position group every single year. Uh, he writes one of our favorite preseason magazines. He is, of course, Joe Broback of College Football Network. Joe, welcome back to the show, man. I appreciate being back. Maybe a little bit easier position this year, but nonetheless, I'm excited to be back. I'm gonna I'm gonna argue uh, since this is our second one. I would say the offensive line was easier than this one was. Um, at the, in my opinion. Uh, and bringing in the Big 12 perspective, a first-time guest, very excited to have him on the podcast, Joey Hickey of Longhorns Wire. Joey, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me. 
Absolutely. I always like to get some free. You know what? As long as I've been doing this, it's always nice to find some first time guests. I always like to get some some new faces, some new voices, and some new opinions. Uh, okay, so we are going to do this one through 14. As I said, we'll be ranking all the uh, receiver receiving cores, not wide receivers, wide receivers. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest, this one was tough. Um, I had a hard time with this one and actually getting them one through 14. Um, I have a feeling we're all going to have the same number one. I'll be curious from there. And I'm I'm really curious about the like three through 10 and 11, because that's where I felt like I had the most trouble. Um, let's just start with this, Joe. Like what, where did you have the most difficulty putting your list together? Um, I think when I learned Hunter Deckers is in, in trouble, I think figuring out where Iowa state was going to be. But uh, fortunately I think I had them in the right spot, but I think you're right. We kind of talked about this before we recorded. There's one, maybe two teams that stand out. Uh, and then there's a handful of teams behind them that, you know, you could see maybe take a step forward and get into that top tier. Uh, but I think, yeah, teams three through 10, you could honestly move any of them anywhere. And it'd be, you know, there won't be too many arguments if you did that. Uh, Joey, same question. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a pretty loaded receiver room. I don't think that there's like a ton of elite rooms, but there's a ton of solid rooms that are not very discernible. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Uh, looking at Phil Steele's magazine, he ranks the top 63 receiving cores, and you had two in the top 10, and then eight in the top 63, and then four outside of that. So that kind of tells you, I, I I have a feeling we all might have the same top two. Um, like I said, it's when we get to three and on where I'm really interested to see. So let's just go ahead and get this knocked out. I feel like we're all going to have the same number one. Joey is a first time guest. You're up first, sir. Who is your top receiving core in the big 12? Well, at the risk of being a homer. Um, <laughs> bias. I mean, it, it's really hard not to pick the Longhorns here. Um Obviously, you have Xavier Worthy and Jatavian Sanders coming back, um, two first-round talents. Then you add A.D. Mitchell, who I think could be the best receiver by the time we're all said and done. Um, and then Isaiah Nayor, you know, Jordan Whittington, he's pretty consistent. So I think as a whole, I think Texas is probably the best receiver core. Joe? I mean, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who disagrees with that sentiment. You look at the amount of talent they have coming back, and, you know, we've already mentioned a bunch of those guys. The one thing I would say with Mitchell is I'm so hesitant because we saw what happened with Jermaine Burton at Alabama. I think a lot of people just assume, oh, this is going to be a thousand yard receiver. And obviously, Alabama's had their struggles, uh, you know, and through various different positions. But Burton didn't exactly wow me, to be honest. And I think there's a lot of talent with what, what he was going to bring to the table. And, you know, Mitchell obviously is a different player and he goes to a different system. One that I, I think is a little bit more explosive than what we saw with Alabama. But I, I you know, I really still like this group, even freshman John Day cook. I, I really like what I saw from him. Now, whether or not he gets on the field is probably a big question. The amount of talent you have returning is just insane. So to me, yeah, we were kind of talking about this before. Texas honestly stands in its own group because of the amount of talent they have uh, and if Xavier Worthy can you know, figure out how to drop less passes and if Quinn Ewers can find a way to not overthrow him, which is pretty impressive with how fast Worthy is. I mean, Worthy can, can beat any DB in the country. I think even when he was dropping passes and, and the overthrows, he was cooking guys. So I, I think that there's a lot of potential still 
in this group to get even better. And that's saying something given that they're the number one team in this, in this list. Yeah. It's a runaway number one with Texas. I don't think anyone's surprised by that. If you've been paying attention to anything in this off season, it's not just the most talented, like the ceiling, there's no, even you look at some of the different ones we're going to talk about, like that have a lot of potential and have high ceilings. It's not just the Texas is the best receiving core right now. The, The ceiling on this core is ridiculous with Xavier Worthy and Winnington and uh, A.D. Mitchell again. I think it's about a lot of potential. Jatavian Sanders could be like the best tight end in the country. And and you you kind of glossed over Joey Isaiah Nayor. Like this is a guy that transferred from Wyoming last off season. Everyone was super excited about. It. He gets injured, misses the whole season, and and now he's going to be a backup. Like this guy starts on any just about every team in the country except for Texas. Assuming A.D. Mitchell, I mean, it's just like. Like that's the depth here that they have. And as much as they rotate through their wide receivers at Texas, like there's just, it's an easy number one. And I agree like this Texas could be in a tier all their own for as good as they are and as deep as they are. So uh, let's move on where it might get a little more interesting. Uh, Joey, who do you have at number two? I like Texas tech. I really like that receiver core. So you got your four top receivers from last year coming back. Um, You add in Dre McCray. Um, I'm a huge fan of Jaron Bradley. I think he's a really big impact player. And so I, I really see that as maybe one of the top 10 receiver cores in the nation. That might be a little bit bold, but um, I really think Texas Tech's going to be really good. Right there with you. I'm, re- I'm with you there. I, I, uh, I think the thing I struggle with the most with Texas Tech is I just really wanted Graham Harold be back and just run the air raid again. Just that just, I just had that feeling with the number of receivers that they have back. And, you know, I know that coaching staff really likes Dre McCray. I think that they think he can be the guy to take the top off the defense to add to this talented group. Uh, so yeah, Texas tech, it, as long as Tyler, Tyler Shuck can stay healthy uh, or if it is Baron Morton or whoever's going to take over, uh, if, he, if Shuck can't stay healthy, I, I think this offense is really exciting overall, but the, the wide receivers, yeah, really stand out to me. Uh, we're two for two so far guys here uh in agreement it's like I, I texas can be in a tier all their own i would put texas taken i don't think it's crazy to say they'd be top 10 joy uh phil Steele has them i think number eight in his preseason magazine so like it's not just you and i think it's about i don't think the the ceiling here is as high as texas but the depth here their top five are back from last year and eight of their top nine you throw in dre mccray from Austin p who had like a thousand twenty one yards and nine touchdowns last year. Um Nehemiah Martinez, who Joey McGuire has been very high on. I like Miles Price in the slot a lot. Um and Jaren Bradley, like I think he's at least like third or fourth team in every preseason something that does more than one team. And I think he has so much potential. And if he takes a big step in his sophomore year, like we you could have the star, the guy, the go to at Texas Tech, along with just I mean just a solid solid wide receiver room. I mean, even at tight end, you've got Baylor cup and you've got Mason Tharp. And I like both of those guys. Like I, I just think the ceiling isn't as high as Texas, but the floor is so high for Texas Tech's receiving core. Like you're just like, and as many plays as they have, they have to have a good receiving core. I just, it's just a very, very solid and reliable unit that still has room to grow. I mean, cause again, Bradley was a freshman last year. So I, I, I easy number two for everybody. All right, Joey, Number three, who do you got? This is probably going to 
separate us here. I think TCU is really, really good. I think that, I mean, JoJo Early is probably the most underrated receiver in this league just because he doesn't have as much reps. I mean, you saw him tear apart Tennessee, Arkansas on his short um, stint on the field. And so I think that he's really going to take over. And then the other guys are going to kind of come along. I am three for three here. I, Phil, I don't know. You better agree with us or I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen here. TCU is is my third team. And a lot of that to me has to do with Sonny Dykes and his track record. Uh, you come from SMU and his ability to just essentially create explosive offenses at SMU is pretty much going to carry over to TCU. And I think they did a great job of hitting the transfer portal hard. Uh, you know, you also bring in a guy in like Jalen Robinson from Ole Miss, who was formerly at UCF, someone who could be another guy in the slot that will be a big time playmaker if he can find his place. There's just so much depth. And even you're looking to replace Quentin Johnston. That's obviously not going to be easy. But Savion Williams has that similar build as the potential to, you know, be be that guy for this offense. I think we saw it at times last year. Uh, we just didn't see the consistency. But that's also because you had three other guys ahead of him that were taking catches away from him. So now he gets a chance to be in that role. I think Jared Wiley's a really underrated tight end as well. I really like his game. He's also a huge target at six foot seven. So I think they have a lot of good. They also brought in uh, Dalen Wright from Minnesota, uh, formerly of Texas A&M. That's another big target for Chandler Morris to, to utilize. So there's plenty of talent here. And pair that with what Sunny Dykes can do, even without Garrett Riley, I, I really like where this group can go. Uh, all right, finally, some variety. Uh, it's about time. Uh, I, I'm going to try not to be, again, here comes my homer pick. I have OSU number three. And I'll get to TCU soon. Um, my issue with TCU is I see a lot of potential, but I have a lot of questions. And I, you can make the same statement for Oklahoma State because they lost like everybody but Brendan Presley uh, from last year. Jaden Bray should be healthy in his back, and I'm very high on Jaden Bray. Brennan Presley, I am, is going to be one of the best slot receivers in the Big Twelve. Um, you get Dazon Stribling from Washington State, and we've seen them do well with transfers from Wazoo. He was the best, the leading receiver at Wazoo, so he'll take a starting spot. Um, they brought in a bunch of transfers. You got to have our like, will Arlen Bruce live up to the, you know, recruiting rankings? Will how does Leon Johnson transfer from D three all the way up to to P five? Um, then you get young guys, Rashad Owens, we've seen flashes of, we've seen flashes of Taylor Shetron. I just trust Oklahoma State's ride receiving core. And I trust the job that, that Mike Gundy and, and Casey Dunn do. I can question Casey Dunn as a play caller. I just don't question him as a receiver coach. Um, I think this is not, that, that there's not a Tylen Wallace in this unit. There's not a Justin Blackman in this unit. This reminds me more of like the years when like Josh Stewart was their top receiver. Like, and I, that's not a shot at Brendan Presley. I literally like Brendan Presley. And I, I just think there is enough potential here. And I trust OSU when it comes to receivers to have a good deep, even though they've had to replace so many guys receiving course. So I've got them at number three. Uh, so Joey, who do you have at four? At four, I have UCF and that's probably another bold one. Uh, but big fan of Javon Baker. Man, that dude is about to tear up the Big 12. And, you know, um, adding Kobe Hudson to that, uh, that's that's just a solid duo. I think that's going to be one of the best duos in the Big 12. So don't really care 
necessarily what's behind them. I really think those two can pretty much carry this thing. This is where I struggled because uh, UCF was a team that I was pretty high on. Uh, I just, I think the thing that worries me is Malzahn's system and how much that system limits what those receivers can do. Cause I agree. Baker and Hudson are studs, but it's such a, like how many catches are you going to get this year? And, in a big 12 where you might have to score a ton of points. I just don't know how adaptable Melzon's going to be. So I actually have BYU fourth. Uh, now, obviously the uh, Keen slowest is someone I'm higher on than the consensus. When you look at his time at, at USC, what he was doing there was pretty incredible. I, I think that he was making a lot of throws that are kind of getting swept under the rug for the last couple of years. Obviously his time as Pitt didn't go super well. And so he's looking to, to bounce back. But if he gets back to his 2019 form, then BYU is going to be really fun to watch. And then that includes a, a group of receivers and a tight end that I'm really high on. Keanu Hill is a really t- talented player. Cody Epps could be an absolute monster in the slot. Chase Roberts was a, a guy that kind of was like a fourth or fifth option. But when he was thrust into a, a spotlight role, he I think he did really well. And then you get Isaac Rex. Coming back from injury, if he can stay healthy, he's one of the better tight ends in the Big 12. So I think that this group has, I think you need a few things to go right. But if those things do go right, then you're looking at a really dangerous group in terms of the passing attack. Yeah, this just got really interesting. Okay. Um, I am not far behind you guys on TCU. I have them at number four. And here's the thing. like To me, TCU has the potential to be in that like tier one with Texas. I just I see the talent. But I've got to see it actually come together. Like I've got to see JoJo early, like turned into the thing that people keep saying is. I really like Savion Williams, but I've got to see that happen. This is also a group that, like, like I was texting with some TCU people, and it's like, well, we think it's this. Like, there's a chance that, uh, like, like, Jerry Wiley could be good at tight end, but like, there's a chance that Cordell Russell, who's talented incoming freshman, could be a starter. Um, I love the addition of John Paul Richardson. Like he was a very, very reliable guy at Oklahoma State. That is not somebody that Oklahoma State wanted to lose. But he was stuck behind Brendan Presley, and he wanted a starting job, and and he's going to get that at TCU. Like, they brought in a bunch of guys who have talent. I trust them to maximize that talent. If they maximize it to the actual potential, this is a tier one unit, but I've got to see it. And it's, and that's, I mean, that's nitpicking at the unit I have number four. So uh, at number five, Joey, who do you have? Number five, I'm going to go with Oklahoma. I think there are obviously limitations. Um, There are a ton of questions, um, but I really, really like Jaleel Farouk. I think he's a great receiver. Uh, Then you add Austin Stogner. The questions start coming after that. And there are questions about, uh, you know, Venables talking about Gavin Freeman's the best receiver in our unit by far. That raises questions but i think as a whole they'll be a decent pretty decent receiver core that's where i have ucf again baker and hudson are really good alec hollers an underrated tight end they also bring trent whitmore from florida they bring Corey gamage in from marshall and i think that you see johnny richardson maybe utilize a, as a running back in the passing game a little bit more he has speed that's really fun to watch uh but yeah ucf is is a fun group it's just a matter again of is that offense going to utilize it? It's it's very much a run first offense, especially with Plumlee running the offense. But 
Uh, I think that this group is is very talented and could be really fun to watch when the season's all over. All right, uh, Joey, you and I agree here on Oklahoma, and I don't. We're getting into the part where this is why the middle is such a mess. Um, I'm not sure there's much that separates three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, Jaleel, Jaleel Farouk has potential. I think he really does, and some people the people are very high on him. But I think part of that's he's going to be the guy for Oklahoma. More so than like, I think he is as good as say Marvin Mims. Um, Drake Stoops is one of the most irritatingly reliable receivers in the Big 12. They already talked about Gavin Freeman. Great. Just two slot guys who are going to drive everyone crazy and going to catch everything thrown their way. But from there, you've got like Andrew Anthony who transferred from Michigan. You got Brennan Thompson from Texas, maybe Jaquiz Petaway. Like, I, I, I believe in OU. Um, there's, there's a ton of potential here. I love the Titan. Like Austin Stogner is going to be just, they're just going to produce another NFL caliber, super good Titan with Austin Stogner. He being the guy, my, my concern with Oklahoma is like, I think there is talent at the top. I have questions about if some, if somebody goes down, if Drake Stoops goes down, if Jalil Farouk goes down, if Austin Stogner goes down, like, I don't know. Their depth is not reliable enough to me to be like super high on them. And I think that's going to be an issue here the rest of the way is like, you've got a guy I like and a couple guys that are good and the depth concerns me. And so I've got Oklahoma at five. It's a distant five from like number one. I'm, I'm, there's not a lot behind the starters that I'm just thrilled about. So number six, Joey, who do you have? I'm going to go with Houston. Um, I feel like I might be overrating them here a little bit, but um, Matthew Golden, man, he's a good receiver. And that's a, just a, a system to where they're going to put up numbers. And so it may not be indicative of, oh, this receiver group's really, really good. It might be indicative of, man, the system's really good. So it's going to be hard to tell the difference. But I think they're going to have a good receiver core. I have Oklahoma here. Uh, I think when I first did this, I had them 10th just because of, I don't know, you're losing Marvin Mims, who is such a focal point of that offense was obviously a big loss and and you don't really have a proven guy that can be that number one. But like you guys mentioned, there's a lot of potential with Farouk, with Andre Anthony, Drake Stoops. Uh, I think I saw DJ Graham is now a wide receiver. And all I can see when I hear his name is that one sick one-handed interception he had against Nebraska. And uh, so I, you know, when I was putting these together, I was like, all right, I got to go stop and watch that about a hundred times to continue doing this. But I think the the big thing for Oklahoma is last year it was if Dylan Gabriel was healthy they were fine but as soon as he went down it was like you're almost watching a conference USA team try to throw things together like it was just not very pretty to watch and maybe this year is different if Jackson Arnold is the real deal uh, it sounds like I think the fans and the coaching staff really like what he is about uh, but again Phil you mentioned where's the depth here if there if there's a number one guy first of all who is it and if that guy goes down, who is there another guy that can step up, or is it a committee that can that can step up as well? So I, I really like the potential here, uh, but there are a couple things that do concern me that could go wrong. Uh, here's here's my hot take at six, if uh, maybe I have Kansas. I like the starters for Kansas: Lawrence Arnold, Luke Grimm, Quentin Skinner, Mason Fairchild, all back. Um, I think those four as starting pass catchers are a very solid collection. I don't think there's a first team Big 12 guy on there, 
but it wouldn't shock me if any of those four guys ended up as second team all big 12 at the end of the season. I really like these four behind them. You, uh, you like mannequins out there. I have no idea. And I, I don't mean that as insult, but like, I just, there's nothing behind them that makes me like excited, convinced. Like uh, if one of them goes down, I'm concerned. I don't think they're going to, I mean, the starters are going to have to play a lot of plays and that concerns me on an offense that, that plays as high tempo as they do. Um, I like the starters. I don't like the depth at all. So that's why I have Kansas here. I would go Kansas with my next one as well. All I mean, right, Joey. Oh, so it's not a hot take for me. Okay. okay. That good. I mean, you can make the case arguably that they could be all the way up to top three if you wanted to. Um, but I mean, those three receivers, uh, you had Mason Fairchild to that. I mean, that offense is going to put up numbers. They average like 35 and a half points per game last year. So they're going to put up big numbers. Um, so I, I would agree with you. Okay. I like that. Uh-huh. See, and here I thought I was coming up with something crazy. I actually am going to go along with that. I have Kansas coming in next as well. Uh, I think for me, a lot of this was looking at who's coming back, but also like, what does the quarterback situation look like? And getting a guy like Jalen Daniels, who is the best Jay Daniels in college football. So (laughs) he is, uh, he's so fun to watch. And I, I, for me, as someone who really likes seeing these underdog teams, I mean, Kansas has been, the last two years, Phil and I were just like, oh, Kansas, worst position group. Kansas, worst position group. Like, it was just, this team was so bad for so long. The fact that Lance Leipold's figured something out is really fun. And the, the first few games of the season last year were some of the most entertaining games for the, the true diehard college football fans that, to see Kansas undefeated, you know, past week one. <laughs> so, I think that Jalen Daniels coming back plays a huge role in that. I'm a big fan of Quentin Skinner. I think that he can be an explosive player. You look at what he did against TCU. I think that's kind of just a preview of what could come in 2023. They also bring back uh, Jared Casey for Texas fans. They probably don't like that name. uh, If they remember his (laughs) game-winning touchdown catch in 2021. So back when Texas was struggling to beat the likes of Kansas, but yeah, I really like what Leipold's done. I really like this group. Uh, I think that they have a lot of potential. But again, that concern is going to be the depth. Maybe they throw the Kansas Jayhawk mascot out there to help out. But yeah, there's there's some concerns there for sure. Uh, I remember Jared Casey for his Applebee's commercials after that yeah. game as well. Um, okay, well, I have UCF here, so I'm I am the lowest on UCF, and that it's it's. I mean, you look at everybody else. I see a couple of pieces with UCF. I like Javon Baker. I think he's got real potential to explode in the Big 12 and 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 make a name for himself. From there, like, okay, Kobe Hudson was the third leading receiver last year. He's back. He had 641 yards. Um, Gamage from Marshall, transfer came in. He has potential. Um, you know, you never know with, with G5 to P5. You have um, Trent Whitmore from Florida. He's done some things like, Besides Baker, there's no one on here where I'm like, yeah, like the potential is there. Um, and I think there's obviously some talent and I trust UCF to put out some solid wide receivers. But I, I'm like, I can't pick like with Kansas. I've got four guys I like and then nothing behind them with UCF. Like I like Javon Baker better than everybody else on Kansas. Um, I might like Javon Baker better than everybody else in Oklahoma. But I'm not as confident as you guys are in, in the rest of the unit as a whole. And I don't have any – I've got nothing on the tight end position. I can't tell you 
anything about that. And, and, and that just doesn't, you know, whereas Kansas, I feel good. Oklahoma, I feel good. I don't have enough at UCF to feel like great about them. So there's seven. I, I think the other thing you have to add is that UCF, Houston, BYU, and Cincinnati are coming from lower divisions or lower level of football for a lot of, you know, the casual college football fan. I don't think anybody really knows, like, what does that transition look like? Like, yeah, Javon Baker is really good in the AAC, but is that just, uh, do we just assume that he's going to be really good in the Big 12? I think you can make some of those assumptions, but yeah, like the, with the lack of depth, you know, you look at the top and you're thinking this UCF team could be really good. Then what happens when they need guys three through five to step up and, and you're facing tougher competition? Yeah. All right. I think that's going to be the issue for all of them, obviously. I'm, I mean, I think it's, I think this is the most talented of the wide receiver groups coming in potentially, but I don't have like, but that's also like the difference to me between UCF once we get to tears and some of the other ones is not, it's not that it's it's closer than even the numbers indicate. Uh, okay, so Joey, who do you have at eight? Yeah, so the next few are going to be pretty close together, like you mentioned. I'm going to go with Baylor, and I really, really think that Monterey Baldwin is super underrated. I mean, he's a great deep threat. Um, and then you add in Keetron Jackson from Arkansas. Um, you add in that North Texas tight end, Jake Roberts, who nobody's really talking about, but he's really dynamic. Um, and then uh, you have Hal Presley coming back. So uh, I think this is a Baylor offense that can kind of carry them. Their, their defense is a question mark, but I think that that receiver core can actually carry them to wins this season. I, uh, I have Houston here, uh, a team that I've been very familiar with in the past few years. Losing Tank Dell obviously was going to be a huge loss, especially with the amount of targets that he saw over the last couple of years. I mean, at a certain point, it was just like, well, it's almost like a one-man route because we're just going to throw to Tank Dell and figure out how to get him the football. And uh, I think that that has to change this year, and it, and it will change. There, I don't think there's a guy – I really like Matthew Golden, but I don't think he's a guy that can be that Tank Dell where he's the, the spotlight, and then there's a huge gap between him and the next guy. You look at Stephon Johnson coming in from Oklahoma State, Josh Cobb from uh, Wyoming – and then you you have a couple other guys coming back from last year and Joseph Manjack, Samuel Brown, two other transfers. Uh, so I think that there's there's potential here. You throw in Donovan Smith as the quarterback, and I, I think that there's a good group here, but I just don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of salty because you with Dana because you look at last year. This is a team that went to the AAC championship in 2021. They returned most of their production from that year. And then they go eight and five. And Dana goes, Well, making the AAC championship wasn't our goal this year. And it's like, well, what was your goal? And why was it not to, to do that again? That that I don't know. It just didn't really make any sense. And I don't really know if Houston is equipped to handle the big 12 right now. I just don't know if the talent level is there, but I do like some of these guys. Matthew Golden's been on my radar for a while, but again, I just don't know what this team looks like as a, as a whole. That's fair. Um, at number eight, I have Baylor, uh, just like you, Joey. I, I think kind of like Kansas, like Monterey Baldwin, Hal Presley, Josh Cameron, like I feel like those guys all coming back are very reliable. Um, Keaton Jackson is an interesting addition from Arkansas. 
And I'm very intrigued by Armani Winfield, who'll be a redshirt freshman. He was a former four-star uh, recruit. Like, I I feel like this is going to be a very reliable unit. It's probably not going to be the sexiest unit. There there may not be a stud on this unit anywhere. There might be. Someone might show up out of nowhere. Um, I'm I'm very high on Winfield. Like, I'm, I think he's got real potential. But like, it's just going to be a nice, reliable unit. Like, I, there's 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 no top piece, but I feel okay about the depth and. Given the way they play, like I think they'll be fine. I think it's just a nice, solid unit, and that's that's fine. That's fine with me. Uh, okay, at number nine, Joey. Yeah, I'm gonna go Oklahoma State here. Um, obviously, I don't know much about the guys other than Brennan Presley because I mean they replaced a, quite a bit of them. Um, but the consistency of of great play in that system leads me to believe they'll be pretty good offense uh, they'll have a pretty good receiver core and i i think i'm a little bit higher on brandon presley i think he can kind of carry the thing i know oklahoma state has a history of leaning on one receiver uh with tylen wallace and you know Blackman and bryant i think that they could actually do that uh with presley i'm with you there i have oklahoma state at nine i think that if had you not brought in alan bowman i think they would be much lower just because Nobody inspired me, <laughs> even with Spencer Sanders. Like, there was not this passing threat that you're thinking, like, well, we got to back up a little bit. We got to make sure that we're keeping things in front of us. But if if Alan Bowman can get back to his Texas Tech form, where I really liked what he was doing, then I think that this group, the passing attack, takes a tremendous step forward. And they'll probably be higher, honestly, on this list if that, that happens. You mentioned Jaden Bray before. I'm also high on him. I, I think that what he did in 2021 was really exciting. Another guy, Rashad Owens, we talked about. It could be one of those guys that gets into the spotlight. Uh, but yeah, Presley is is super good. Don't need to harp more on that. Um, I think Charlie Jones has ruined all Iowa transfers because I keep hearing uh, Arlen Bruce's name come up and how they're just expecting maybe a similar transition. But I'm like, okay, Charlie Jones probably maybe an exception to that rule. If you're going for <laughs> Iowa transfers at wide receiver, like we might need to rethink things, but yeah, this is a solid group. I just think that you have some questions at, at quarterback uh, with Bowman, not really playing for two whole years. You got to kind of get back into the swing of things, but there's definitely a lot of potential with Oklahoma state. Okay. So I'm easily the highest issue. That's fine. I will, I will wear that Homer. Uh, pin with pride. It's probably about as high as I'm going to be on any unit for OSU this year. Uh, at number nine, I have Houston here, and I like this is a very, very young receiving core. They're top six on the depth chart. Five or sophomores or younger. I like the dad from Stephen Johnson from OSU. Um, Josh Cobb from Wyoming is a nice backup. Um, Matthew Golden, people are very high on. I, I, I just like it's such an inexperienced unit overall. Golden's high. Can Golden carry that load? Like, can he be the guy? Because when you think about last year, like Tank Dell had to do everything. Like everything. He was he was he was the workhorse player for them. If they have to do that again, like I don't know that Golden is is that that caliber. Um so I just like I just I'm I'm really concerned about a unit this young going into the Big 12, which is going to be tough. Like a tight end, uh, I don't know. Like they got Michael Laughlin from West Virginia. They had my Barnes, Logan Compton. I just like I, 
This is a, a wide receiving core that is very young, very inexperienced, wasn't great last year. I just I'm I'm really concerned with the transition for this unit. Like they've probably got some potential there, but I'm just I don't see it in year one. Yeah, it'll be growing pains for sure. <laughs> uh yeah, definitely. Uh Joey, number ten. All right. So we're at at 10, I have BYU. I like Hill. I like Epps. Um, it's going to be a solid receiver core. Uh, we'll see how it kind of translates, but they're used to playing power five opponents. I mean, they played big time opponents. They played Arkansas last year, Baylor. Uh, they played USC, Tennessee in recent seasons, and they fared pretty well. So I think it could translate. I just need to see it kind of on the field. I have I have Baylor here. I agree that this is a group that it has a lot of potential, kind of underrated group. I don't really have anything to contribute to the guys that you guys already mentioned. It's a fun group with a lot of potential, uh, but I think a lot of that hinges on if Blake Shapin can get them the football. And I know that he, he has a full year of experience now, so that's really good. Uh, but I need, I'm kind of in that boat of I, I need to see it before I believe it. But the, the guys he's going to throw to, give you lots of exciting options. And, and so if they, if Shaven has it all figured out, then this group will be really fun to watch. Uh, I have Kansas state here. First appearance for the Wildcats. Um, it's not a unit I love, but I'm pretty high on Phillip Brooks in the slot. Um, I think he's going to be able to, to be very effective for Kansas state. I'm really high on Ben Sinat at tight end for them as well. Um, hey, guess what? Another Iowa transfer in the Big 12 uh, with Keegan Johnson, a former four-star. The big Outside culture of that, fit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, if you don't want to play at Iowa anymore, go to Kansas State. Makes sense. <laughs> Especially with Wisconsin doing what they're doing. But, but beyond that, like, Xavier Lloyd, Seth Porter, RJ Garcia, Jaden Jackson, like, they're all nice depth pieces, but – I I don't love this unit, and I I don't typically love a Kansas State wide receiving core. That's not <laughs> wide receiver is not a unit at Kansas State. I'm always I'm like banging the drum for, but they do have two pieces I really like. Um, if one of them goes down, major concerns. But I, I I'm high enough on Phillip Brooks. And I'm high enough on Sanat here, and because they utilize the tight end in the way they do, that I think it's going to be a reliable receiving core. And somebody else will step up. Someone typically does for Kansas State. They probably got someone like. If you want to say of the Iowa's tra- wide receivers that transferred, who's going to be the one that shows up? It would not shock me at all if it was Keegan Johnson because he went to Kansas State. And it was just an easy transition and it made a lot of sense. So uh, I I like two pieces here. There's potential for a third one. And beyond that, it's a Kansas State receiving core. They typically do well, even when they're not that impressive. I'm right there with you. I mean, I have I have them next because Philip Brooks, I mean, you have a 5'7" receiver who's catching jump balls like that's not that's not normal so i mean like you have that guy you have sanat i'm i'm a big fan of those two um and then outside of that they don't really need that many great receivers for their offense to function i feel like they have two really good running backs to make it work uh but those two receivers are going to be big time for them yeah i'm I'm there with you and uh sanat's almost like the outlier because he you know is his frame fits his position and you're used to seeing, you know, Phillip Brooks at five, seven, Deuce Vaughn at, you know, you know, four foot, nothing or whatever. You're just used to these undersized guys over, overachieving. Um, and, and you're right, Phil, I agree. Keegan Johnson is, is 
the one Iowa transfer that if you're going to pick the guy to have the most success, it's because he's going into essentially the same system. It's just that he has a uh, somewhat competent quarterback for the first time in his career. So that's, that obviously helps quite a bit. Uh, so yeah, you're, you're looking at a group that doesn't have a ton of depth, probably doesn't need a ton of depth, just going to, you know, embrace that culture that is K-State football and they'll, they'll be just fine. Joe, you were the high man on BYU because I, I have them here at 11. Um, I, the comp that they've played a lot of power five teams. And I think that's the reason that like I'm BYU might kind of surprise teams this year. I'm a little bit worried about the defense. Don't get me wrong. Like as someone who does fantasy football, I have Puka Nakua like on every fantasy team that I can possibly find him. He is not there anymore for BYU. Like Keanu or Cody Epps has a lot of potential. Um, I really like Isaac Rex as far as tight ends go. Like he is a legitimate receiving threat. Seventy-seven catches for nine hundred and forty yards and twenty-one touchdowns in the last three seasons. Like when they get into the red zone, they get around the goal line. Like he is a legitimate touchdown threat. Um, I think he'll continue to be that way in the big 12 like they brought in nice additions keelan marion from from uconn darius lassiter from eastern michigan um like there's there's some potential here i'm i'm just i worry about every single one of these receiving cores that doesn't have what i feel like is great depth trying to make this transition even for byu who is used to playing power five opponents like there is a big difference between the 21 season and the 22. The 21 season, they beat all those Pac-12 teams. They were all bad Pac-12 teams. And then they played all the good Pac-12 teams last year. And it was a very different situation. And so, like, I, I do think BYU will be okay. But, like, I'm not I'm not less just in love with this unit. Two couple pieces I like. Um, one I really like. Like, I, I'm, I'm big on, like, let's find the really fun tight ends in the Big 12 and see who's going to make plays because it's just not a thing we were used to seeing, but it, it seems to be coming back. And I think Rex could end up being kind of the surprise tight end of the Big 12 this year. I think Cody Epps will be fun. Outside of that, we'll see. So, Joey, that, uh, that comes to you at number 12. Who do you have? Well, uh, at this point, it's like, who do I not like? So I'm not a huge fan of either any of these three teams. I'm going to go with Cincinnati. They bring in three transfer receivers. Um, and and really, it's more of I really don't like the other two. Um, and, and there's really not much else I can say. I just – those three transfer receivers, I feel like they will probably be better than what Iowa State and West Virginia have. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. I have Cincinnati next. Uh, it's kind of like – a. Xavier Henderson, we've been waiting for him to have his breakout season at Florida for forever now. And he's at Cincinnati with a system that, I don't know, it doesn't really give me a good feeling in terms of what they can do in the passing attack. Uh, I think that the the culture there, I'm not going to say it's bad, but just Luke Fickle leaving after the heights the that they've reached, like you, you knew they were going to take a step back. And now it's just a completely different culture. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, a guy that is going to be really fun to watch is Shimon Mater at tight end. This is a guy who was recruited as a linebacker coming into Cincinnati. And Fickle staff saw his speed and, and said that there's no way that you're going to just be a linebacker with the talent that we have. We're going to put you in a position where you can get the football and you can showcase some of that speed. So that, that's one guy I, I like in this group. But, yeah, it's – I mean, the last three, I don't really have – any arguments as to who should be 12th, 13th, or 14th. That's just like how bad this this trio is. 
Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head here. Um, this is, we'll, like I said, we'll tier here in a minute. The last three are tier four. And they're by far the worst of them all. Now, I, I don't have Cincinnati here. I'm much lower on them than you are. I have Iowa State. And understand, like, I don't think I've ever said anything nice on any pod, especially not right receiving rankings, about Iowa State's receiving core. Because... It's just not a, a unit that they ever do a very good job with. Well, Xavier Hutchinson is gone. Um, and there is not another Xavier Hutchinson on this roster. Now, I like Jalen Nolan the slot. I do. Um, outside of that, like you bring back Dimitri Stanley. Cool. Um, Jaden Higgins, the Eastern Kentucky transfer, 87 for 1151 and 13 touchdowns last year. Like, I think he's going to be their primary downfield threat after that. I, I just, I, I've never, I'm never impressed with, I would say twice receiving core ever. Like if they have a guy, great. Maybe they find another tight end. Maybe they find a tight end this year that that's going to step up. But like, I just, someone will be the guy. Like I would put it on Higgins and Noel, Noel being the two of them, but outside of, I just, but even that's just not, I just don't, I'm not in love. I'm never am. So I've got Iowa state here. These bottom three are, you're right. It's take your pick. Uh, Who do you have 13, Joey? Yeah, I'm going with Iowa state here. Um, It's more of, we know a little bit more about what Iowa state can do. I mean, West Virginia losing what their top four receivers from last year and I felt like they had a pretty good receiver core the last two or three years as a whole, but you lose all of that. Now we have Jalen Noel coming back. Um, and then Jaden Higgins, I think he could be a pretty good receiver. Um, but it's more of what we know from Iowa state than what we don't know from West Virginia. Iowa state here, 13, honestly, <laughs> What the quarterback situation looks like will determine quite a bit, honestly, in my opinion. I think drops as well were a big concern at times for Iowa State, and that's not great with with a new quarterback coming in. Um, so that that's concerning, but, yeah, still, it's, I don't know. Iowa State and West Virginia, it's like, if you want one over the other, go for it. I'm not going to be too upset about it. Uh, it's just not good situations either way, honestly. And at this time, at this point, it sounds like Rocco Becht is going to be the starting quarterback. And I don't. Would you bet but, money on that, or is that a hundred Decker's thing? No, I put money on. Uh, I put money on the under five and a half at plus one twenty all the way back in May. And <laughs> yeah. I understand the irony of betting money on uh, Iowa State under with the information that's very likely that a starting quarterback would not play because he bet money on games. Um, I have West Virginia here. This is typically, you're right. West Virginia typically has a good receiving core and they lost basically all 77% ish of last year's production is gone either from NFL graduation transfer portal. Like the, they bring back one senior in Cortez Brom. Um, he had like 147 receiving yards last year. Uh, they brought in Devin Carter for NC state, who I think is expected to be like the guy for them. 25 catches, 406 yards, and two touchdowns last year. They brought in Ja'Shawn Pope from Kent State. Um, I, 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 I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Like, I feel like guys are going to step up. And 
West Virginia typically has a good receiving core. And because you, when you lose everybody, it's always like, well, we don't know who anybody is, so they're going to be bad. Like, I, I have more faith, even though I have them ranked second to last. Like, of oh, this bottom unit, West Virginia is easily the one to me that could skyrocket up the most. Because I just, I don't, there's not enough evidence through Matt Campbell's era to believe in Iowa State suddenly having a great receiving core. <laughs> I've, uh, Cincinnati, I have last, obviously, I've I've got, I've no, you, any, they don't even know who their starters are. No one can put out a depth chart because no one has any idea. Like, West Virginia, to me, with the history they have, especially on offense, of saying, like, some guys are going to step up and be good. They're just, at this point, I have no idea of who that's going to be or how to how to judge it from here. Yeah, I agree. I feel like Carter's the only one who really moves the needle. Uh, but they could be good. They could be good. Uh, it's just um, the receipt, the quarterback is what's going to make it so difficult. I don't believe in Garrett Green. Uh, but, I mean, the track record of um, receiver development there could turn things around. It's just I just don't know, uh, based on what they have, if they have it to – uh, be one of the best receiver cores. Yeah, I'm there with you. And I, the more I think about it, it's like, how would I rank these three quarterbacks? Whether, you know, without Deckers, just whoever Iowa State's quarterback is going to be Emory Jones, who's yet to put things together, and Garrett Green, who's going into a, a year with a, a new coordinator. And uh, yeah, and just not really any proven weapons out wide. I, I will say that Kent State. <laughs> is one of the biggest losers of the transfer portal this year. I mean, I think we learned a lot about Kent State's ability to recruit with the amount of talent that they sent to other programs. But I think the big thing is now you lost all those teams. And, you know, a guy like Jason Sean Polk, who was probably their third best option, now goes to West Virginia to maybe be the second best option on an offense that – is probably going to look pretty rough. So I, I, and that's, that's not great for Neil Brown going into a year where you need to, you need to find a way to a bowl game at least, and you need to show some sort of life. And it's going to be tough to do when you're ushering in a, a brand new looking offense outside of, you know, obviously CJ Donaldson and that offensive line. Uh, love the offensive line of CJ Donaldson, Neil Brown, I think retaking the play calling on the offensive side of the ball over again. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I have Cincinnati at the bottom. Um, Clint, Chris Scott's the only guy back, and you brought in a bunch of transfers. And um, like I think Donovan Ali might be maybe the best of the transfers. If you want to say it's Xavier Henderson, that's fine. Um, didn't see much from D. Wiggins before he got hurt three games in the season at Louisville, but maybe he could be good. Like I think you've got three guys who brought in transfers who are all like to me like. I, they're okay. I just, I, they could all be good. They could all be what we saw at their previous stops on a team with Emir Jones, as the quarterback. Like I, I, I got nothing for Cincinnati. Like I, I just, I, I, I've talked to some people and it's like, I don't know. Starters might be this like, I, who knows? It's so like, like throwing I, mud at the wall and seeing what sticks is kind of their approach right now. Mud is inappropriate. Yeah. It's just mud. That, that that's great. We'll, we'll say mud and not a different word that I, I don't think I'm allowed <laughs> to say on this podcast. Uh, that it's fine. It's been said before. It'll be said again, but no, I get it. Um, okay. So let's wrap this up by kind of tearing this off. Um, I told you guys about this before we started recording. So I'll, I'll go first in case you need some time. Um, 
Look, we, we said it. Um, Texas could be a tier on their own. I put Texas Tech in tier one with Texas. Those are the only two teams there because I do think that Texas Tech's depth, the number of quality receivers they have, um, it's not the same as Texas, um, but I really like that unit. So it's just a two-team tier one. Tier two, uh, I've got four teams with Oklahoma State, TCU, Oklahoma, and Kansas. They all have a lot of things that I like. They all have concerns, obviously, because everybody past one and the, the tier one is got questions. Um, just, I, I have enough that I like of OSU, TCU, Oklahoma, and Kansas to put them together. Tier three is UCF, Baylor, Houston, Kansas State, and BYU. I got five teams there where I've got a lot of questions. I've got concerns, but there's at least something I really like there. Either it's, you've got enough quality, enough positions. You've got a guy that I love, um, or just there's something there that I really like. And then there's a lot of just unanswered and that tier four is the last three we talked about iowa state west virginia cincinnati i'm just like i just i don't like these units like even and i and i feel bad for iowa state like i like Jalen Knoll, but he's not enough to to move you out of the the bottom tier so uh joey how do you got these broken down yeah i agree with the top two i feel like those are two complete units with texas and texas tech um you know to have four or five receivers that you can definitely depend on no matter what that kind of safeguards against injury, which, you know, Texas had a, a little bit of trouble with Isaiah Nayor. Then you had Xavier Worthy having to be Isaiah Nayor and Xavier Worthy at the same time. So that kind of messed up the offense. Um, but after that, I really like TCU, UCF, um, Houston, Oklahoma. I feel like that's a solid, solid unit there. And then after that, um, most of the middle – is all together. I, I can't really discern much between seven and 11, really. Um, and then the last three to me are pretty solidly in the bottom. Um, you know, Cincinnati, unproven, Iowa State, proven to be not that great. And then West Virginia, not proven. So those are, those are kind of my tears. Uh, the more I think about it, I'm I'm gonna you know I agree with Texas and Texas Tech. I'm also gonna throw TCU in tier one. I just simply because of the coaching staff and, and what they could do. I I, th- I really like that group. And then after that, I mean honestly, tier two, four through eleven, I can't really pick like a group that could be tier three <laughs> over tier or whatever. Yeah, so or tier two over tier three. So honestly, it's like those top three are tier one, four through eleven are tier two, and then. Um, out of respect for tier two, I'm going to skip tier three because that's how bad the bottom three are. So they're going to be tier four. So I still have four. Three is nobody. And then tier four, because that's the gap is Iowa State, Cincinnati, West Virginia. Uh, that's um, that's good. I, uh, I I appreciate that. It's fine. Hey, look, it, we said it like there's just there's not a ton separating the middle. It's just. That's why we all have, I mean, I think we have a pretty mixed bag uh, there in the middle. I'm way higher at OSU than the rest of you. Uh, Joe's way higher on BYU than me or Joey. And from there, uh, I'm not sure that uh, Joey is super high on anyone compared to the rest of us. Texas. He's way too high on Texas. Yeah, yeah, this is what I get for bringing someone who covers Texas (laughs) onto the podcast to talk about uh maybe houston you had you had houston sixth and uh joe had him eight and i had him nine so maybe maybe that's the biggest outlier for it well 
this has been fun. You guys are awesome. They did not get confusing with Joey and Joe, so that's a good thing. I was a little bit worried about it when I realized what I had done to myself uh, for this one. But you guys have done honest. This is great. Uh, Joey, do me a favor. Where can everybody check out all the work you do covering the Texas Longhorns? Yes, yeah, so you can find me on Longhorns Wire for USA Today. Um, it's an exciting time with fall camp coming up um, and underway. So longhornswire.com. Joe? Plug all the things that you do, which is which are very many, very very many. Oh man, um, mostly just find me at on Twitter at Joe Broback. You'll find um, my college football preview for the 2023 season. That's pretty much it. That, you, that's all you really need to know. Joe ranked his top 50 Big 12 players on Twitter, so you can find all of those. I would suggest if you haven't yet, it's a free college football preview magazine from Joe. Go download it scroll through it it's fantastic joe's got stuff on youtube uh which i enjoy watching joe you're you're one of my favorite man i uh, appreciate you coming on every year uh let's figure out what you haven't done for next year so i'll just go ahead and pencil you I'm probably like like quarterbacks i don't know like, uh, i'm just gonna pick like just just safeties for, I, don't, I, I don't remember I don't remember backup kickers. Have. Let's do backup kickers. Ooh, see okay. Joe will be ranking Big 12 special teams <laughs> next year. That's what Joe will be doing. Uh, Joe, Joey, you guys have been awesome. Talk to you again soon. Podcast Network.